Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Go Fox Yourself podcast. I am your host, Mr. Fox, and as always, I'm going to be offensive, especially with this one today on our topic of we're fucked. Uh, That being said, I will discuss it and explain why. However, before I get started, let me just say I... Anything I have to say today is basically my opinion and for entertainment purposes only. It is not to be mistaken as anything legal, medical, or scientific fact. Opinions are just like assholes. Everyone has one and they all smell like shit. So, that being said, if you are interested in what I had to say or for that matter, question what I have to say. Uh, There is a thing, it's called being enlightened. Look it up for your goddamn self and figure out your own opinion on this. Now, for today's subject, we are fucked. Um, This is about everything that's going on. I mean, between all the smoke and mirrors in terms of what's going on in the Ukraine, what's going on in here with the uh, hyperinflation, inventory uh, issues, energy crisis, labor shortages, you name it. Also, the gun issue. The gun issue seems to be a big one. And, um, well, just everything in general, even Disney, but um, also to the fact of, um, or point as to... Uh, what part of this is really just a major distraction, which quite honestly, uh, between the Ukraine, the Roe versus Wade, Disney BS, and uh, even this gun crap, uh, honestly, it's, it's really just a distraction to keep people from thinking about the rest of the Democrat Party and Biden and his administration when going into November of 2022. Uh, Quite frankly, they've been a huge disappointment and blunderbuss of failures. Now, you may ask, why the hyperinflation? Why do I have to pay more? I'll tell you why. It's because the guy you voted in back in November of 2020 fucked up and decided to reverse everything Trump put into place, putting us right back into Obama-era regulations, which... Hey, it may have worked during Obama, but it ain't working now. And uh, you don't believe me, just take a look. Furthermore, we've got an entire administration, which is Biden's cabinet, who has no clue what the hell they're doing. Uh, Case in point, Pistol Pete Buttfuckajay, our Secretary of Transportation, Going back to when he first started as LALB went from being one of the -the state-of-the-art logistic lines of commerce into, well, pretty much a gigantic parking lot. Instead of doing his job, proving his not only ignorance but incompetence, uh, he chose to basically spend his time in paternity leave uh, bonding with his child and his husband. Now, I say, but fuck is Jay. Not because the guy likes to take it in the ass, but because instead he likes to screw every last one of us in the ass by not doing his job. Now, I have nothing against paternity leave. I, as a father, once took it. Actually, twice. But 
the major problem here is, well, he's got a husband. And I say this not because he's a homosexual. I have nothing against homosexuals or lesbians or bisexuals, for that matter, taking paternity or maternity leave. Paternity leave was set up because this country recognized the need that a mother, being a woman, after passing what is the equivalent to a drunken midget from between their legs, needs time to recuperate for at least a week or two, meaning she needs somebody there to help. Hence, the father or boyfriend takes paternity leave to help out where the mother can't. It's not to bond with the child. The mother needs to bond with the child. You need to do your fucking job. And basically, in this case, P.D. Buttigieg wasn't doing it. And uh, last time I checked, uh, guys cannot pass a child out from their dick. So, I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. Fuck them. Now, in terms of what's been going on, why is it Biden's fault? Well, I'll tell you why. Aside from him basically being the person that hired on Buttigieg as our Secretary of Transportation, uh, by reversing everything Trump ever did, he has, in fact taken us off of energy independence, which is a major factor in why we are seeing high prices. Now, if you look at AAA and the Department of Energy statistics going from November of 2020 on into now, you will notice this price hike on gas as it started because speculators actually saw the writing on the wall and that price was reflected by AAA and the Department of Energy's release of what the average cost of energy and gas was. And speculators saw the writing on the wall, which is why the price pattern changed of going upward now from about, you know, in November, about roughly 10% or 10 cents a gallon more than what it was prior to. And it kept on increasing. As Biden became president and was inaugurated, he then decided to pass the executive order that pretty much reversed everything Trump ever did. And of course, being that we got off of energy independence and started becoming dependent on other countries again, gas prices spiked at an average of about 20 to 30 cents a gallon each month more as things progressed. Now, before I show you this clip of Biden not taking responsibility for the bullshit that he has basically led this country into, um, well, it's a catastrophe because everything is dependent upon oil. It is the number one global resource for a reason. But in terms of commerce, you go to the store, none of that stuff just magically appears, folks. Everything is transported or distributed via truck, rail car, boat, or plane. It has to move somehow. It does not magically appear. Even the gas at the gas station has to be truck or transported via truck and rail car. 
to eventually make it to the gas station. And for that reason, with diesel being as high as it is, and jet fuel now being as high as it is, we are paying the added price. It is an artificial sense of inflation by telling you that you need to basically wake up and if you can't afford the price of gas, we'll simply buy an electric car. Yeah, fuck you. Okay, first off, let's discuss this for a second before I move on. One, I've been talking about this in my previous podcasts, such as the presidential report card, including one about the Ukraine issue, which I called From Russia with Love, as well as the death of the Democrat Party and several others. I have discussed where this is coming into play. And it all boils down to the fact that this guy has basically hiked up the cost of diesel by one, shutting down the Michigan pipeline, which was a major pipeline for this country, on top of shutting down construction on the Keystone pipeline. Now, while he basically sent out that red-headed ginger White House warrior of his, Jennifer Kawasaki, to tell us, oh, that doesn't affect inventory. No, you're right. It doesn't affect inventory, you lying bitch. This is what it does affect. The speculators looking at the very fact that for the four years that Biden is president, there is not going to be construction on that pipeline, which by the time we get another president that is willing to, we will now at least be four years behind the ball on construction of having that pipeline up and operational. That is why it affects the price of oil. And that is also why it affects the price of gas and diesel. With that in play as a sense of reality, not just speculation, the speculators are forced to look at that and say, price is going up. Not to mention, this asshole wants to say that, well, we're doing this for the environment. No, we're not, folks. Oh, yeah. Just tell the middle class, go out and buy an electric car. Folks, because we're not producing this ourselves, we are forced to send tankers halfway across the world to pick this stuff up for us. And if not, refine it here at home because this administration, along with other uh, oligarchs within our government, have decided to buy up refineries and not open them, but instead shut them down. Now we're also forced to refine off-country uh, country to basically get fuel that is refined. But our tankers going halfway across the globe are doing so at an expenditure of 60,000 gallons of diesel a day. That is by far putting up much more of a carbon footprint than what we could do by producing it here ourselves. Not to mention if they got to stop and have it refined in another country. So this does nothing for our environment, folks. And then they want to say, well, we're going to invest more in solar and wind turbine. Uh, as of right now, people like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and I say people like because they are, but also people like them are leasing up or getting farmland at a lease and setting up solar panels throughout our country's breadbasket <clears throat> at what seems to most people as being, oh, this is a good idea. Actually, it's not. If you look it up, the decay of those solar panels actually creates a toxicity level rendering the lands that crops were originally grown on 
to being unfarmable, incapable of being used. Quite frankly, a lot, if not worse, than what the Dust Bowls of the 1930s were. So for those of you who honestly think this is a great idea by destroying our uh, land where our breadbasket is to create energy, you're not doing us any favors. In fact, you're probably making the situation worse. Now, in terms of solar, uh, the uh, wind turbines, it's not exactly as great as you think. And I know some people think, well, you know, a lot of this stuff is myth. Folks, here's what's not a myth. The same thing that makes those wind turbines operational, being wind, also tends to act as a catalyst to their existence. Because guess what? Sometimes the wind just gets too damn strong that it destroys the integrity of its own construction and it falls. Hence why they got to be maintained. But sometimes, hey, a good gust of wind, yeah, you're not going to control it. However, that's part of the reason why that wind turbine is there in the first place to capture it. Whether it's strong enough to sustain it is an entirely different question. And yeah, wind turbines have been known quite often to fall over. Hence why they're not in residential areas. Or have you not noticed this? The other issue being is they require oil. They still require oil to operate because guess what heats them from being iced over like that issue in Texas or, for that matter, lubricates the moving parts so that they don't bind up and grind. So for those of you who think all of this is a huge move to save our environment, these people don't give a fuck about the environment, let alone you. All they care about is their bottom line. And for Buttigieg and people like Biden and Harris to sit there and say, suck it up or buy an electric car, yeah, the average middle class person, such as myself or you folks, we can probably afford an electric car outright. But here's something that over time we're not going to be able to afford. The fact that that electronic module pack on average costs between twenty-two dollars to $23,000 to replace. On average, it needs to be replaced between five to eight years. That's a fact. And at that price, with the average cost of a cheap electric car, because God knows none of us middle class people are going to be buying this forty to sixty thousand dollar module or model, or for that matter, even the sixty to ninety thousand dollar model. The average price that we're most willing to pay is most likely going to be between about thirty to forty thousand dollars. At an average cost of about $23,000 to replace that pack, you might as well buy a brand new car. Secondly, I've already stated this before, folks. Those electric cars are not exactly environmentally friendly. When they hit the showroom floor, they have already produced a carbon footprint from 30 to 40% more than what a gas combustion engine type car will produce you don't see a significant change in carbon footprint of about 20 percent less than the gas combustion engine until about 90,000 miles secondly you also got to look at what goes on in these cars aside from the oil petroleum products that go into synthetic rubber as well as plastics 
you also have to look at the fact that these cars contain lithium and cobalt. Cobalt decays as gamma radiation. Now, in low doses, this isn't a big deal, but in terms of the lithium or the cobalt, it has to go somewhere, folks, and quite frankly, it ends up in a landfill. And guess what? Maybe in low doses, that may not be a big deal, but after time, that cobalt's going to add up as more and more shit just keeps getting added to the landfill. And for those of you who don't get it yet, after about 10 years, those landfills are going to start glowing a lot like these naval shipyards. Secondly, you got lithium. Lithium is not easy to mine, nor is it actually anything great for the human body. And in terms of cobalt, it gets pretty much absorbed through the liver, kidneys, and the bones. And yeah, it can cause death. As I said, it decays as gamma radiation. Now, here's the problem with lithium. There's a reason we removed it from 7-Up, folks. And, yeah, that's a bit of history for you. Uh, back in the day, we used lithium in 7-Up, and that's also kind of how it got its name. As the atomic weight, if you round it up from 6.9, is about 7. And it wasn't good for the human body, which is why we removed it. And also, at the time frame, as they were removing it, they started adding soda water to it to kind of give it that sparkly feeling. So there was no need. Regardless, fact is, there's not a lot of good stuff that comes out of having an electric car, nor is it even environmentally sound. It's a waste of money. It's a fucking scam, folks. And for the middle class, it's not a good investment, let alone the fact that buying a car really isn't a good investment because as an investment, instead of an asset, you now have a liability unless you choose to lease a car. Now, before I kind of get into this here, and actually, no, I'm going to show you or uh, let you listen to this one clip of Biden, rather than accepting the responsibility, goes on to blame somebody else for the issues that we're feeling at the pump. Two challenges on the minds of most working families are prices at the pump and prices at the grocery store. Both of these challenges have been directly exacerbated by Putin's war in Ukraine. The price of gas is up $1.40 since the beginning of the year when Putin began amassing troops at the Ukrainian border. This is a Putin price hike. Putin's war has raised the price of food because Ukraine and Russia are two of the world's major breadbaskets for wheat and corn, the basic product for so many foods around the world. Now, folks, I just want to cut in, and actually I'm stopping, and I'm not going to show any more of this here. There's plenty others. <clears throat> but here's the problem, and there's several problems with what he was saying. First off, Russia is not the breadbasket of the globe, okay? Ukraine is, but Russia does not make nearly enough grain to actually claim that they are a breadbasket of Asia or anything like that. Um, so there's a little bit of ignorance on his part there. Secondly, by blaming Putin, okay, he has con he's literally shown how stupid he really is. 
I, I've admit, I've stated this before, the guy is delusional. At this point, I honestly don't even think the guy knows who he is anymore, let alone the fact that he is the President of the United States, because the fact of the matter is no leader would basically allow this amount of chunks of stupid to fall out of his fucking mouth. Now, when Putin started doing his shit, I mean, granted, he, he, most, he pretty much started quite early. But nobody cared. Nobody really paid attention. And nobody really thought anything was becoming real until about August. Speculators, however, have in fact shown that they thought this president was a moron, which he is, and started hiking up the price of fuel with their speculation based off of this man's agenda and the agenda of everybody else who supports him with this Green New Deal. Now, the problem here is that with his agenda, he hasn't looked at the problems that it has created and tried to fix it. Because if he did, he would have moved towards uh, doing more here locally rather than trying to beg which he is currently looking to do in the middle east begging the saudis for more oil which last time we did that which was i think earlier this year maybe last year uh yeah they pretty much said go fuck you know go pound sand um however seeing all this instead of looking at the fact that hey we got plenty to be able to do here. Why don't we just start producing our own? He doesn't see it that way. And he refuses to see it that way. Hence, he is a moron. If he were to actually have us start producing now, would we see a drastic change? Not in the beginning. However, if we move towards energy independence again, we could actually sustain ourselves and have prices drop again. Furthermore, I mean, if anything, this agenda of his is really hurting because, well, with hyperinflation, obviously, you have to increase interest rates, which I said beforehand, but now they're starting to do. Well, I shouldn't say now. They've been doing so for a little bit this year and slowly increasing it, even though I was talking about it the previous year. The fact of the matter is, if we were to go back to energy independence, we wouldn't have to be going halfway around the world to get this energy, and we'd be able to sustain ourselves, making our dollar far more valuable, as well as the other side effect of people coming to us for their energy. This moron is not seeing it that way, and it is hurting us. The fact of the matter is, this is going to continue, period. As long as we still have to pay more for diesel, as long as we still have to pay more for gas, we are going to see a gradual increase in pricing. It's that simple, folks. And this notion that we can actually go out and open up our reserves, putting more oil on the market here locally, that doesn't help either. Because of the fact that with this administration, as I pointed out, we have shut down many refineries. All that oil is going to do is sit in the front of the line at these refineries while the uh, oil that's already been sitting there 
gets backed up. Until that oil hits the market in the form of gas, it does nothing for us other than wasting our reserves, which is quite vital. Now, I say that these people don't give a shit about us, let alone the environment. Uh, if they did, well, maybe Chuck Schumer would be have something to say about it because uh, four years ago, he had this to say. President Trump's reckless decision to pull out of the Iran deal has led to higher oil prices. These higher oil prices are translating directly to soaring gas prices, something we know disproportionately hurts middle and lower income people. Final price of gas under Obama, $2.36. Current price for gas under Trump, $2.92. Mr. President, you can't blame this on President Obama as you try to blame everything on him. It's time for you to act. So where's Chuck Schumer, folks? The senator of New York? The all-powerful, all-knowing? Yeah, he's hiding, folks. Just as the rest of the Democrat Party. Nobody's talking about this gas other than it's a crisis. But nobody's putting the blame, though, on the very person who created this. Them. They refuse to admit because they honestly believe that this Green New Deal, this environmentalist crusade is justified. And who is it going to cost? Well, obviously, the middle class. Because the rich can afford it. The poor will most likely be subsidized for it. But the middle class is going to have to fork over a part of their livelihood just to obtain it. And their answer is go out and buy an electric car. Well, here's the problem also to this whole grandeur of bullshit, folks, is the electric grid. Right now, clean renewable energy is not even at 20% as to what we produce for energy here in the States. If we were to go on clean renewable energy, that is solar and that is wind, our grid would not be able to sustain it. It is a known fact. Folks, you just cannot sustain the grid if all of our gas combustion engines went to electric cars and you would take our electric grid off of coal, moving it over to wind turbines and solar panels. It's not going to do it. It's un it's it's impractical. So where these people get the idea that, oh, we can do this. No, we can't. If you honestly think that this grid will sustain this type of move without creating massive blackouts, you're living a fucking delusional dream. Now, Aside from all this crap, there have been other distractions. And, uh, well, the Supreme Court draft of the decision on Roe versus Wade, which, I might add, was only drafted by one person being Justice Alito. None of the other justices of the Supreme Court have actually sat down to discuss this. However, nor have they made a decision on it, but we have people like Kamala Harris, that apparently have this to say. If the court over 
overturns Roe v. Wade, it will be a direct assault on freedom, on the fundamental right of self-determination to which all Americans are entitled. But let's talk about what a world without Roe looks like. Women in almost half the country could see their access to abortion severely limited. In 13 of those states, women would lose access to abortion immediately and outright. Those Republican leaders who are trying to weaponize the use of the law against women. Will we say, how dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? How dare they? How dare they try to stop her from determining her own future? How dare they try to deny women their rights and their freedoms? Okay, folks, before I talk about this distraction, let me just say, yes, I am Catholic. However, when it comes to the notion of abortion, well, hey, you want to get an abortion, I ain't going to stop you. Because quite frankly, I really don't care. I would rather you abort that liability rather than turning it into my liability to sustain the child's life because you are unwilling to accept the responsibility of doing it yourself, which means it comes out of tax revenue. And you fuckers know exactly who you are. Now, that being said, yes, I am a Catholic. I never said I was a good Catholic. Furthermore, if anything, I tend to identify as something I, can, I pretty much created of my own, as being the cynical Catholic. And that is, whereas most Christians would probably look at a scenario and say, well, what would Jesus do? I tend to look at it more towards the line of, eh, whatever Jesus doesn't know, isn't exactly going to hurt him. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, it sounds like a messed up thing for well, me to say as a Catholic, but Hey, I look at it this way. God gave us Jesus to basically absolve us and forgive us of our sins. We ask for forgiveness by going through Christ. And as such, I feel that as a Christian, it is my duty to accept and own the fact that I am a sinner and choose to sin more often by showing my appreciation and going to God through Christ more often because, hey, God is a jealous God and wants us to come to him as often as possible. What better way? What better way than to have a need to ask for forgiveness? The only way to ask for forgiveness is to do something that needs to be forgiven. And as I've always said before, I also believe in it is best to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And for those of you who think that it is better to lead your life as Christ-like, well, in my opinion, that negates the very reason for Christ's existence in the first place, because you would be without sin. And that's blasphemy. But I digress. 
in regards to this, it's bullshit and it's a distraction from the real issue going on. Because one, this lady here, our vice president, who again is a fucking moron, is trying to feed off the emotions of women knowing full damn good and well that this country is fed up with this administration's bullshit, let alone its party. And by doing this, she's basically speaking, as well as others in her party and this administration. They're all speaking as if the Supreme Court has already made up their mind. Nobody has made up the mind of the Supreme Court yet, folks. It's a draft that was only started by Alito. They've looked at it. They've discussed it. But it's a draft. Nobody has come up and said, we're going to decide upon this. And furthermore, her little bullshit speech about self-determination and women's rights, first off, there is nothing in the Constitution about self-determination. As defined, self-determination, the closest we come to any aspect of self-determination being protected is that of the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery as well as involuntary servitude. Outside of that, there is nothing within the Constitution that defines self-determination, let alone being a right. Furthermore, it's not even a constitutional right. The whole notion of Roe versus Wade is simply a decision that was made by the Supreme Court actually based on the Fourth Amendment loosely upon the decision made of Griswold versus the state of Connecticut over contraception used in the marital bedroom. And for those of you who don't know what the Fourth Amendment is, it's the protection against illegal or unreasonable searches and seizures, which has nothing to do with abortion, folks. It is a loose interpretation of privacy that they used in Roe versus Wade. So there is no constitutional foundation, okay? Now, I said, I have no problem with you basically going out and getting an abortion. I don't. I really don't. Even though I look at it as a human life, I really don't. But what I do have a problem with is the hypocrisy of believing that, one, it is your constitutional right to do so, when it clearly is not. And second of all, to say that it is based off your choice and it is a freedom? A freedom of what? Nobody has hindered your freedom of choice to spread your legs and allow a guy to go ball deep. At that point is when you forfeit your right to choice because you have made your choice. So in terms of this argument of it being a freedom of choice, you need to come up with another argument. Not only was the defense of Roe versus Wade based off the Fourth Amendment a loose interpretation, but it clearly shows exactly how ignorant you are to believe that that is, in fact, your right according to the Constitution, let alone believing that it is a constitutional right in and of itself. You are kidding yourself and you're making yourself look like an idiot. So, by all means, you want one? Hey, call me up. I'll show up with a vacuum cleaner and suck that fucker right on out. But to sit there and try and tell me, well, this is your right to free choice or it's my constitutional right. It ain't your constitutional right for shit. Self-determination, 
was only designed or spoken about by the UN as well as brought up during the 1860s as it was later brought into effect with the constitutional amendment ending slavery and involuntary servitude. Nobody is hindering your right to determine your own destiny, let alone your future. You, on the other hand, have determined that by not using the proper contraception and believing that basically going into having a medical procedure done is your right to a form of contraception, which is morally and ethically wrong. But hey, look at your, whatever helps you look in the mirror and tell you that you're doing just fine. And if you want to actually question where I come up with it being a human life, look up what defines a life according to human biology and reproduction. And not just human, uh, human life, any form of animal life or whatever. Life, according to science, is defined, and this is life science, is defined once it can produce its own DNA. It is a medical and scientific fact that the moment a human egg is fertilized, it is producing its own DNA. So question me again. Now, as I stated, though, this is not the real issue, folks. It's a distraction. And why? Because they have nothing to run on anymore. It's bullshit. And if you think that they're not done yet, oh, look at guns. Look at guns. Now, there is this asshole by the name of William Hoagland who was on the Lawrence O'Donnell or the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell. And, uh, I mean, really, in all honesty, I, I typically try not to listen to Lawrence O'Donnell that much because on it, the guy's a fucking idiot. Uh, the guy has no clue what the hell he's talking about half the time. But uh, proof that he really doesn't. Here's a bit of what he had to say while sucking William Hogel's, or Hoagland's dick. I will confess to the audience, Bill is a dear friend uh, who helps me disguise my lack of authority in matters involving history uh, by letting me cheat onto his. Uh, Bill, I've been so fascinated. This piece you wrote is a 10-year-old piece written in reaction to a mass murder at that time. Rereading it now, uh, 10 years later, it is so striking. the, the, the weirdness of the Second Amendment, uh, beginning with this fact that you point out, that it's the only one uh, that has this preface to it. It's the, it, the others are all just straight ahead. Uh, very, they're as clear as the Ten Commandments. The Second Amendment gets quite tricky. Yeah, it is unique, and it's unique throughout the Constitution, too, not just of the amendments. And it's really, while it may not be unique, that that strange, awkward you know, being necessary to um, phraseology is not unique in all of the founding documents. Um, It is used inappropriately in the Second Amendment from a grammatical point of view, and it's not used anywhere else in in the whole documentation of the founding of the country in such an inappropriate and awkward manner, which is just, as you just said, like weird. and you know it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I wrote that piece ten years ago. It's quite painful. I mean, I even thought about not reposting it, thinking, "What if you know? What if, what does all this talk do 
really. Um, I think we're all in a place like that right now. Um, but it is, it is, it wouldn't matter if it were just some quirk of the founding moment in which a certain amount of disingenuousness in politics found its way into our founding national law. But this is a this is a crisis that we're in regarding gun violence, and this amendment plays directly into it, and fights about it play directly into this crisis. And so it's it's a very painful thing to, to look at and try to understand. But every single time some horrific event occurs, uh, like these like these like these mass shootings. Um, and this is now going back more than 10 years, of course, um, there are these arguments about what the Second Amendment means, and we have people on the right and people on, you know, gun rights people and, and gun control people and people who overlap arguing about what it means, whereas I think really, if you look at it in historical context and in grammatical context, I mean, this is kind of potentially slightly creepy to say, um, it doesn't really mean a thing. And you make the point that that was Madison's intent. He needed to put something there, basically to hold the country together. There, there was a, there's a group of people who weren't so sure they wanted this whole thing to be a country. They were interested in maybe... Okay, folks, I'm going to just stop it right there because, quite frankly, the gibberish is giving me a headache just listening to these two fucking idiots talk. Um, folks, it's not gibberish. It's not grammatically incorrect. Look at it. You can tell why it is what it is. Okay? It is grammatically correct. In speaking of a well-regulated militia necessary for the freedom of a free state, or I should say the sovereignty of a free state, that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. There is a separation made by a comma, grammatically correct in, ver uh, in verse of sentence structure that can just as easily be replaced by the word and. Because if any of us know anything about English 101, a comma and the word and mean the same goddamn thing. This asshole is trying to explain to us that the Second Amendment is just gibberish, okay? And claims to be a historian of true authority, and let alone the guy, Lawrence O'Donnell, who's pretty much sucking him off to try and give him some ounce of credibility, is saying the same thing here. The truth is this, folks. If he wasn't a true historian, he wouldn't have said what Madison intended. Because Madison may have wrote the Constitution of the United States to be debated upon by the Continental Congress. However, two people that are rarely spoken of that actually worked with Madison in correspondence in developing the Constitution, that being Alexander Hamilton, our first Secretary of, Tre uh, of Treasury, and then John Jay, one of four or one of 12 men who held one or more of the 14 positions held as the president of the Continental Congress during the time that we were at war, prior to George Washington being elected. John Jay is also more famously known as being the first chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States when we only had three justices. That being said, John Jay made in his argument with Madison, not necessarily an argument, but in correspondence, <clears throat> while 
it is necessary for the people to be armed. His point actually went more towards the state of England back during the first version of 13, for those of you who don't know, that were made of the Magna Carta. And that was during the time of King John's rule when in order to maintain his tyrannical rule over the people of England, including his nobles, he had in fact enacted a law that was more famously known in the uh, Robin Hood folklore as it being illegal to kill a king's deer. The reason behind this law, as he went further to describe, was to disarm the subjects and nobles of England unless you were a part of the king's guard or the guard, you know, the crown, uh, the military, due to the fact that he realized if the citizenry of England were armed, they can rebel against his tyranny to levy heavy taxes upon them, mainly due to the blunderbuss of mistakes he made in many campaigns over in Europe, primarily with France, that drained the English treasury almost down to bankruptcy, which is part of the reason why he had to levy heavy taxes. But to the locals, to the subjects of England, and including to his nobles, King John was looked upon unfavorably in a majority rule as a tyrant. And he knew that a hunter armed with a bow and arrow to kill a deer would make that man or woman, just as lethal with an arrow as one of his king's archers. That argument was made not for a person to be able to defend themselves from somebody breaking into their home, folks. That argument by John Jay, the first chief justice of the Supreme Court, was in fact describing how the local citizenry should be able to to fight against its own government in the case that it were to become tyrannical. Understand at this point, these 13 colonies that were creating the country that we all now know and love, well, some of us more than others, but those 13 colonies were actually separate on opinion. They didn't necessarily want a centralized government. These, co these colonies, which became states, the first 13, also had their own currency in each state. So they weren't necessarily big on this idea of centralized government. However, they also recognized the possibility of the government they were forming to eventually become tyrannical. And I'm not going to say that it has already become tyrannical. But John Jay's argument was basically to say, if our government were to become tyrannical in the means of taking away our vote, our right to vote with a ballot, we now have the right and obtain the right to vote with a bullet and let that round of lead speak for us. That was the importance behind the Second Amendment as it pertained to the right of the people to bear or keep and bear arms. In terms of the militia, that was a volunteer group, folks. That wasn't the Army National Guard or the State National Guard. 
The militia, as it was looked upon then, was nothing more than a group of volunteers that had no loyalty necessarily to the military in form of enlistment. They could come and go as they pleased. So this idea that it was written as just gibberish is a bullshit excuse. Now, you will also hear the argument that they didn't know about what guns would evolve into the full auto weapon. Folks, the first machine gun in history, and you can also look this one up. The first machine gun, according to history, was known as the Puckle Gun. It could fire up to, it was either between, I'd say it was roughly about nine rounds per minute. And I say it was crude, mainly because of the form of ammunition being ball and powder. You had to load each barrel or chamber individually. You couldn't just have a magazine, obviously, behind it. This gun had a rotating chamber into one barrel, which would eventually be used as the basis behind the creation of the Gatling gun, which the only difference between the Gatling gun and the Puckle gun, as it would eventually become uh, efficient in a, you know, as the gun evolved, was really the magazine-fed round. That's it. They knew of the evolution of the gun. They had many different versions of guns that had more than one barrel. In fact, most of them were referred to back then and still are today as matchbox guns. So they knew the evolution of the gun was around the corner. They were witnessing it. What needed to happen was the evolution of the firearm round and being an encased round that could be magazine fed. That was it. So this idea that they had no clue when they had the first machine gun in 1718, which probably predated most of our founding fathers' birthdays, is bullshit again. So if you honestly think that this is not a right or that they didn't know out of ignorance, you're full of shit. You're lying to yourself. And honestly, you need to go back and redo history to understand what actually this is about. And quite frankly, when they're saying we need to ban semi-automatic weapons, which is exactly what Biden and these assholes are talking about, banning all semi-automatic weapons. Then they basically get called out and say, well, you do realize that semi-automatic weapons make up 98% of all firearms that are made because a magazine-fed pistol is a semi-automatic pistol. You have semi-automatic 12-gauge shotguns. Not all 12-gauge shotguns, or for that matter, not all shotguns are pump action. Unless it's something like a Henry rifle or a revolver or a pump action 12 gauge or a pump action shotgun or a bolt action rifle for that matter, it is a semi-automatic. If it takes a magazine and has the operational function of being able to, after firing a round, taking another round and automatically putting it in the chamber or feeding it into the chamber, that is automatic. Whether it fires it without you actually pulling down on the trigger again, 
is the difference between it being fully automatic or semi-automatic. That's it. So when they say we need to go after these semi-automatic weapons, they're talking about all of them. Pretty much all of them other than 2%. And for those of you who honestly think, well, we didn't give weapons of war to people or citizens couldn't go around with just weapons of war. Yeah, they did. The Henry rifle was used during the Civil War or the latter part of the Civil War by the Union soldiers. Originally, it was a variant of the Henry rifle that beat out the Henry repeating rifle for the Union Army. The latter part, they used the Henry repeating rifle. Average citizens were using the Henry repeating rifle, folks. We still use it to this day. Now, in terms of the M16 versus the AR-15, for those of you who honestly think they are the same weapon, guess a damn again and allow me to just smack you across the face with a huge dick of reality. The AR-15 fires a 223 round. It cannot fire a 5.56, which is the NATO round that a M16 or M4 uses. In fact, in most cases, the military actually uses the M4 rather than the M16, which is produced by SIG, M16 being produced by Colt. The AR-15 is produced by a number of different gun manufacturers, including those who are not here in the States. And the one thing about the AR-15, because of that round difference, and for those of you who don't understand, that round makes a big difference. Because if you fire a 5.56 in the chamber of a 223, over time, that is going to create a catastrophic failure. Possibly not, not just to the weapon, but quite possibly even to you. But there is a lead on the barrel to make up the difference on the combustion ratio of gas. Because for those of you who honestly believe that an M16 or an AR-15 or an M4 is a machine gun, no. It is a carbon gas operated rifle, otherwise known as a carbine. It does not operate off of machine parts. Its main operation is off of the gas expelled from the round. If that round is not accurate, aside from creating a squid round inside the barrel and getting stuck, there is also the possibility of that round also blowing up in the chamber. So no, the AR-15 and the M16 or the M4 are not the same rifle. Military does not use the AR-15. But if you want to say that, well, we don't give weapons of war to the public citizenry. Who owns the 1911-45 ACP? Yeah. Who owns a Remington 870 12-gauge shotgun? It's a distraction, folks. In conclusion, all of this is primarily a distraction, including the crap going on in the Ukraine. All of it 
is a distraction keeping from the fact that this administration, the Democrat Party, has no agenda going into November of 22, let alone 2024. They have none. They are desperate to try and get you based off of motion with guns, further gun control, as well as this crap with Roe versus Wade. It's all distraction from the fact that this administration has fucked up majorly to the point of almost dragging this country into the ground, practically to its grave. And it is high time you all wake up. Now that all being said, I really have nothing more to say about it. Make your own decision. Look it up. Curious about who John Jay is? Look him up. Alexander Hamilton? Look him up. You curious what James Madison did for this country prior to even writing up the Constitution? Or better yet, even being a president, uh, fifth president of the United States? Look it up. It's all there. All this crap is in history. So, go fox yourself. And there is, there is still hope. Whether it's Democrat or Republican, I don't know. But the current administration, they're the problem. They're not the answer. And this crap with the environmentalist bullshit, again, distraction. It ain't an answer. If anything, it's hurting us more than it is helping. If you're middle class, we tend to suffer if something doesn't change soon. So go fox yourself and have a good night.